Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast. Matt, we are day six of free agency. If I asked you what pops in your head most about this free agency, one thing, what, what would you think it would be? Hmm. Actually, I mean, I, I think we're kind of in – before we answer that question, do you feel like we're in phase two now? You know, like the tidal wave hit. Everyone, you know, takes a day or two to try to chill, go back, say, where are we at? Where, how much cap space are we? Uh, where are our needs? And now let's attack it a second time. Do you, I mean, do you feel like that's about where we're at with this? Yeah, it feels like we got there on Saturday morning, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I have an answer. and if you, My secondary answer would be if, if you had said what I want to say, is that it's been slower than I thought. Not initially, but, boy, once we got to phase two quickly and we're there, and I've talked to a few scouts, uh, excuse me, agents yesterday, and they're already frustrated because there's a lot of money out there. There's a, if you look at the salary cap numbers, there's a ton of teams with $30, $40 million of cap room, but nobody's getting really paid. Now, on the other side of the token, there's not a lot of high-impact guys left either. That's true. I mean, but there's still the high towers and what's going to go on with Romo and you know Adrian Peterson and you know we, oh, we finally saw. Oh, that will happen. But I get the feeling that high tower is being slow played because of him, not because of his market. That could be true, and I, I think he's in Pittsburgh today. It was in New York yesterday to see the Jets. The Jets make no sense to me. I don't know why he'd sign there. But you just get the feeling like, oh, he'll end up in New England. Yeah. Anyway, Pittsburgh jumps on him. I think there's a chance. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm closer to that organization. And we were at the Combine. The, the general thought was the Steelers would really like to add a big press man corner to give them more options instead of playing as much zone. Well, those guys dried up kind of quick. You know, the corners went. And then I think they can look at it and say, well, we had this money pigeonholed to add somebody, you know, a B or an A-minus level type free agent. So who's out there that could help our team? Well, we could right. not only take Hightower away from the Patriots, who is clearly the top team in the AFC, but you put him next to Ryan Shazier, now you're talking. I mean, that'd be a really formidable front. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... I I wrote about it yesterday. I like that move. Um, and, the, you know, sometimes you got to do some things. And not splash to make a splash, but just get yourself better. And this is a team that doesn't need a lot, and, and you just said it, it would weaken New England. So there's double, there's double benefit for Pittsburgh here. Yeah, and to be honest, I know their system has worked over the years very, very well. And... You know, they have embraced it a little. They signed Ladarius Green last year. But I would be critical of this team if they win free agency, let go. If free agency goes by and they added nobody from outside the organization. I mean, to me, that would be a mistake. And I think they have been interested, like I said. But, you know, these guys have gone quick. And, of course, they've gotten paid big. You know, Kirkpatrick and Bouye and these type of players. Um, But that's what you should expect. but, But going back to your original point, I guess I hadn't thought of free agency to this point from a an agent's standpoint. And, yeah, I think I would be a little upset. That Come on, guys, spend some money. You know, I mean, I got this client here who's a good player. 
Um, is there some reason? You know, what, what's wrong with them? You know, that is it going to have? Are are they that excited about this draft class that there's going to be yet another wave where you know this wave two we mentioned will be okay? Eddie Lacy and Peterson, a couple things will happen, and some big name guys will fall. But then are we going to see a really barren time where it's all draft prep all the time, and then when you don't get that corner you liked in the draft, then you call somebody up. Or, you know, I mean, go and more so than ever. I mean, obviously the, the league always works in those waves, but they seem more distinct now than they were. And I think the troubling part for the, for the agents is that they have more money than they've ever had before. I'm sure they're sitting there going, boy, we should be making money hand over fist right now. <laughs> NFL suspend. Yeah, I mean, again, there's so many teams. Cap room is not really a problem for most teams. And, you're 100% um, right. And, I mean, even a team like Kansas City that looked like they were strapped, well, they go sign Benny Logan yesterday. Right, yeah. So And then so that, that made them say, hey, we like him better than Don Terry Poe. Is Poe a guy that you're a little surprised is? doesn't have a home yet. You keep hearing Atlanta, and that would make a lot of sense because they're kind of you know they're kind of that that team that you, <laughs> you don't know what to buy a Christmas present for because they have everything. So why not add D line depth and some bulk? I mean, a lot of their their defensive front is based on quickness and movement, and they can get moved off the point. So I like that fit a lot. The thing I don't know, and it's just kind of a, a educated guess by me is I wonder about Poe's, I wonder how the team doctors are liking him right now. You know, that if you remember, he played like every snap. You know, he, played, he never really came off the field in Kansas City. And he's a big-body dude. Um, I do think there are some injury concerns. And I just wonder if his best football might be behind him, that he got used up so much. I mean, guys are 340, don't play every snap like him. Well, isn't there some back issues there? Yeah, I was trying to think what exactly it was, but I thought it was something along those lines that don't usually go away. Right. Yeah. And so maybe that's an issue. Yeah, I mean, because I, I don't know if he's a great player, but you would think that he'd be, you know, off the boards by now. Yeah. And um, working against him, though, Bill, and it was something I mentioned earlier, or not today, but I've talked about it a lot, but I really like this group of, Big defensive tackle, nose tackle types in free agency. And it shocks me a guy like Jonathan Hankins, who's only like 24 years old. You know, I'd be all over him. But there was a yeah, lot of him in free agency. He has very little market, doesn't he? It sounds that way, and I don't understand why. I wonder if a team like Oakland may jump on him. Because Oakland needs a defensive tackle, and McKenzie's pretty good in the secondary market. So maybe that's a place for him. Um, thoughts on the Eddie Lacy Seattle marriage? Yeah, you know what? I'm writing an article as we speak for it. And originally I thought, and I still do, boy, this makes a lot of sense. One year deal, three and a half guaranteed, could go up to five and a half. He's talented. You know, I, I think he's very talented, to be honest with you, um, especially compared to a Thomas Rawls. You know, that if Lynch is an A, and Rawls is a B minus, Lacey's a B or a B plus. You know what I mean? I mean, he's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. He's a step up. But then he started kind of doing the homework a little bit. And I remember, and this goes back to the Steelers, that they took Le'Veon Bell above Eddie Lacey. And, and remember in the draft 2013, a lot of people were like, man, 
you know, why is Lacey a, a late second-round pick? Why is Gio Bernard and Le'Veon Bell going ahead of him? Well, there was a lot of concerns about lower leg issues, ankles and feet issues with him coming out of Bama, and he had a lot of wear and tear on his body at, at Bama. So then he goes to Green Bay, has two years of heavy, heavy workload, and does well, of course. And then these past two years, he's fallen off a little bit, and he just had plates and screws and wires, Roto World said, inserted in his ankle in November. So, And he was in Seattle at like 265 pounds. Yeah. So a big fat guy running on a bad wheel, I start to worry again, you know, but... He's better than Rawls, who runs like a freight train and I don't think will ever stay healthy, and will lighten the load on Wilson behind a bad offensive line. And it's not a big investment, but I just wonder, is C.J. Procise going to end up being the man there in Week 8, who I like a lot? And they're still bringing in Jamal Charles tomorrow, and he's a completely different player than um, than Lacey, so maybe you know that there goes some of the carries as well. That could be you know a fit for Charles. Yeah, maybe, you know, but then, I mean, you're going to keep, I guess I've also heard rumblings that Minnesota might have some interest in Rawls, you know, buying him on the cheap, and I guess that would open a roster spot. I mean, you're going to keep Procise, Rawls, Lacey, Charles? I mean, maybe, but, you know, none of them are helping you on special teams, and, you know, they're all pure running backs. You, you know, you mentioned all the, the potential worry spots about Lacey, and yet he's the first running back really to go off the board, right? I mean, this has been a slow running back market, slower than probably I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and, and I kind of feel bad for them. And it's all the big guys. You know, like Woodhead got signed, Burkett's getting some attention, but the Lacey Murray-Peterson blunt, to a lesser degree, um, tier isn't getting the action, you know, that – you know, and if you had told me that, you know, originally you think, boy, it's a really good running back class. Teams aren't going to invest in running backs in general. But the running back class isn't quite as, you know, what I'm learning, at least in the draft, is it's not quite as glorious as we thought it was. Guys like Cook and even Fournette have more warts than we thought. And there's still a lot of teams out there that could use a big back. You know, the Giants, the Panthers, the Raiders. Uh, the Bucks. I mean, and I'm probably missing three or four of them that could use a chain-moving Adrian Peterson type. But all those guys I just mentioned, and Eddie Lacy included, they don't catch a ball. And in today's day and age with the David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, the combination in Atlanta, Le'Veon Bell, everyone's looking for receivers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Murray's in Minnesota, I think, tonight. Um, maybe he gets it going. I mean, what's going to happen with Adrian Peterson? It's day six, and there's been really zero interest. He went to Seattle, but that, all the other interest is coming from his side about teams, no real interest from teams on him. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned Minnesota, which then leads me also, I think, to New England. There's two teams I didn't mention that would certainly be in the market for a big back, I would think. I mean, I, I, I still th- I mean, maybe the Eddie Lacy signing, I mean, he really only signed a couple hours ago. So maybe his signing will be the, you know, the catalyst to open up some, you know, he'll be the domino to fall, so to speak. And then by the time people are listening to this, Adrian Peterson will have signed with Tampa or New England or somewhere. 
maybe, right. and then Murray falls in line or Peterson ends up in Oakland or something like that. But all those teams I mentioned could use him. I mean, New York doesn't make a lot of sense, the Giants, just because they run so much 11 personnel and he's not a passing down player at all. But an old-school offense like Tampa, I mean, it seems like, or, or you know, running behind that Raiders line, I'd love to see Peterson. What about Green Bay and Peterson? They're another team that could use one. You know, right now they have Ty Montgomery and I think Don Jackson is the only other running back on the roster. And I like that Montgomery did, and they're going to be a pass-first team, but they still play in Green Bay. I mean, they need a bruising, every-down, Eddie Lacy guy. Yeah, that's another one. So, I mean, in reality, what do we name? Like eight to ten teams that could use a big back? Right, right. And, again, we're going to see this, – this thing's going to take a few weeks. It, we'll see names. It'll still be daily interest in the NFL. It's just maybe going a little slower than we thought in, in, in from recent years. You know, it, that has, it's been a fast market in, in most years. Yeah, and there's still some name-brand guys out there, and I guess that has a lot to do with it, too. And then there's Tony Romo. What the hell is the what is Jerry Jones waiting for? I don't know. I mean, does he think <laughs> – I mean, I really do think Houston and Denver are the only two teams interested, and I think both want him badly, whether they tell us that or not. So does Jerry think he can get them competing against one another? And I don't know. I mean, and neither one's a direct threat to them. They're both in the AFC. I mean, I have no problem if I'm the Cowboys saying, I can turn this guy into a draft pick, so I'm going to, as opposed to releasing him. And honestly, I'm not exactly sure what the salary cap situation is. I know neither one helps them much, but if you can trade them as opposed to cutting them, which one helps your cap more, I don't know. I think trading's better, but I'm not positive. So I get it, but you know, is one of the teams going to step up? I don't know. It seems like they're both pretty um, comfortable not just waiting. Doesn't Houston kind of have to get this done at this point? I mean, That's what I was about to say, was if I'm Denver, and I know they look at Paxton Lynch and think, dude, he's really immature right now. You know, he needs to grow up. But they were successful with Simeon, and you know my feelings on Simeon. I'm not big on him at all, and although he's coming off an injury. But I would think they're at least better set up to win if they don't get Romo. You know what I mean? Like It seems like it's more critical for Houston than Denver. I mean, right now it's Tom Savage or Bust there, and he's okay. Um, but if you're Houston, I mean, if you don't get – I'm looking at two ways. If I'm L.A. and I don't get Romo, I don't think I'm like – calling Jay Cutler on speed dial. But if I'm right. Houston, I might be. Yeah, I mean, I when they traded Osweiler, you say whatever you want about Osweiler, but they did trade their quarterback six days ago. I thought that the next thing we're going to hear was Romo was going to Houston, and we haven't. And it's been almost a week, and I think that has to make Houston a little nervous. Yeah, no doubt. You know, because... We just gave up the second-round pick to get this dude out of the building, but more importantly, to get cap space, which we needed. But now we're kind of frozen by Jerry because we can't go sign other people because we want Romo with the cap space. But he's not giving it to us. We're releasing him. Are we slow-playing Jay Cutler? And does Cutler know he can go to the Jets if he doesn't end up in Houston? 
you know, who are the other options? I mean, you don't want to get involved with Geno Smith and that, or Fitzpatrick or that tier. So all of a sudden, this could go bad for Houston. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and I would feel bad for him because I liked their aggression and it was it was Creativity. a smart move. Yeah. But Jerry's kind of holding him hostage. Right. But I guess in the end, if it does, quote, go bad for Houston, yeah, they lost a second-round pick in the deal, and maybe they can give that money to, you know, an upcoming free agent. Or I mean, no, no matter what, they didn't want Osweiler. So I kind of feel like it's a good deal still for Cleveland and Houston. It's a unique one. It's a cool way of thinking, a, an NBA way of thinking. But you would think that if you're Houston, I want Romo now. You know, that uh, I'm not liking this sitting around on my hands thing. And I do think Cutler would be an option, but I would absolutely think they'd prefer Romo. Right. At the top of the show when I asked you the biggest takeaway, my biggest takeaway is how New England's just making everybody yes. else look silly. Um, I mean, they're probably the most improved team, or at least one of the top three or, three or four improved teams, right? The Super Bowl champions. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I've said on other podcasts and things that I, I don't know what the the Vegas are. They're probably not even out yet. But who's the leader in the clubhouse to win Super Bowl 52? They should be by a wide margin. You know, like I'm not even sure who number two is, but it has to be New England by a wide margin. That they're giving up draft picks and they're adding guys like Cooks, you know, who's a really good player. And, you know, Coney Ely's fine. But they'll have a role for them. They, they like the run-stuffing, bigger defensive ends. But they also get Gronkowski back. You know, I mean, they traded for Allen, who's not as good as Bennett. But, oh, by the way, you get Gronk back. And the rest of the offense doesn't need it. The offense looks noticeably better than the Super Bowl offense. And, then, yeah, they'll get that big back that we talked about somewhere along the line. And the defense, as it stands right this second, if Malcolm Butler does return, which who knows, he's visiting the Saints right now, they're going to Butler and Gilmore's are starting corners? That's ridiculous. You know, like, yes, they're improved, and they still have cap space, and they still might trade Jimmy for more picks. Yeah, I, I still think that's coming, you know, because I they too. don't have many picks right now. and I don't know. The thing about the Patriots, two things that stands about, out about them when they make these moves, it's like, one is, man, it always seems like that guy's a good fit for them. And then, like, I think Allen will be a good Patriot. He's a smart player, yep. and I think in December we'll be talking, hey, we're not shocked that Dwayne Allen's having his best NFL season with Tom Brady. I like the Ely pick. He's a he's shown that he can play big in big games, and he's going to be well coached. I think he's going to take the next level. And the other thing... I. I can see personnel men in the 31 other cities when they see their Twitter and these Patriot moves going, why didn't we think of this? You know, why do they keep doing this? Yeah. They just seem smarter than everybody else. Yeah, and they're adding, and they, you know, it's almost like giving the best poker player the best hand, too. You know, like, not only were the Patriots are the Super Bowl champs, and they have Brady, and they have Belichick, and no Gronk is coming back, and have a great foundation. But now this year, they also have tons of cap space. You know, like, oh, man. I mean, like, if you're playing against them on the card table, it's like, can these guys get anything else right? You know, that, and then, you know, they give up the 32nd pick in the draft. Yeah, it's first-round pick, but it's the last one. 
But Brandon Cooks, who they're going to have at least for two years at a pretty discount rate, and I think Cooks can not only be the Woodhead, Amendola slot guy, which we didn't see a lot in New England, but I also think he's going to be the take the top, over the top, outside the numbers guy too. Like they don't have anybody like him. You know, he's kind of a combination of. I mean, this is obviously strong, but he's a little bit of Welker and a little bit of Moss. You know, of course he's not Randy Moss, but right. I think he can do a lot of those things. Do you think that? Because I saw some criticism, like, hey. Maybe that's not a great fit for him because Brady can't throw the long ball anymore. I mean, do you think that's a little overstated? I don't overstated? know about that. I think that's – I forget. It was a couple of years ago, granted, when I was hosting the podcast at ESPN, and I forget which defensive back we had on. And somebody asked him, who throws the best deep ball in the NFL? And he went, without a doubt, Tom Brady. And I was like, what? I'm like, you always think the strong-arm guy. But he's like – Brady throws the ball with unbelievable trajectory. It's almost like a punt coming down. That It's almost like he drops it from a drone where he can put it exactly where he wants it, where it comes down so steep on a deep angle, like almost 90 degrees to the turf, that and he's become a master at it, that he's still really, really good at that, even though his arm strength isn't wonderful. Although I'm not sure if his arm strength's ever fallen off. I mean, he keeps himself in such great shape that – you look at the Manning brothers and you're like, boy, their arm really fell off. Or I don't think Brady's has. And <laughs> I mean, he threw a, a, a fair amount of deep passes this past year. Hogan became that deep threat. Gronk has been a deep threat in a different way for the last couple of years too. Uh, I just think that they haven't had a guy like Cooks that runs a four three, and now they do look out. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this Butler stuff? I mean, surprised that it's gotten to this point. Should they do everything they can just to make, keep him on the team for this year? I think he may still end up in New Orleans. You know, that yeah. maybe that 30-second pick ends up going back to New England. And, and if you're the Saints, that's worth it. You know, I would give up. You already have an early first-round pick. I'd give up the 30-second pick for a number-one corner. I mean, that defense needs that badly. And then you draft an edge pass rusher with your first pick. All of a sudden, that defense might be all right. You know, Rankins and Fairley on the inside. I like those guys a lot. I think their safeties are decent. Guy like you know, Bro becomes your number two corner. So I could see Butler still ending up there with some sort of you know strong draft pick compensation going to New England. And you know, I just think it may kind of like phase two of the deal. Um, I think New England looks at him and says, "We love him." Excuse me. He's an undrafted free agent who hasn't made a cent really in this league yet, and he's going to want to make every possible cent he can, as he should. And that's not the kind of guys we really negotiate with, even though we love him as a player. I think Gilmore's there to take over for him, and it's still a really good corner draft. They might draft one. And don't the Patriots look at guys like that as, hey, we made them. We're the ones that signed them. We're the one that developed them. Like you said, it didn't cost as much. We'll just go find another one. Aren't they kind of arrogant that way? And and they certainly can be because it works for them. I would imagine. I mean, imagine if you gave those guys true serum, they would say, he needs us more than we need them. And, yeah, I mean, with all respect to Butler, who's played extremely well, if he went, if let's say he does get traded to New Orleans tonight, would any of us be shocked if we look back at his career 10 years from now and said, 
boy, the best year of his career was 2015, 2016. Yeah, he was a good player for the Saints, but he was really good for the Patriots. Yeah, I, I could see that. And I remember that's what really upset a lot of Denver Bronco players when Josh McDaniels became their coach in 09, that they treated he treated them as just players. They weren't people. They were pieces. And that's, and that's really what got him in trouble with the whole Cutler thing, that he was a piece. And then he goes to the, you know, this thing, they're in a full-blown feud, and he goes to the owner's meeting, and he never called him Jay or Cutler. He kept calling him the player. And I think that's what the Patriots do. They look at these guys as just players, and that they can make better, and then they can replace. And again, it may not be politically correct. It may not be sweet, but it certainly has worked for them. Yeah, and... It's easier to pull off whenever you got a handful of rings as opposed to, hey, you're the new guy in Denver and you're, you know, you've never been a head coach and you're young. Um, and it's a fine line, I bet, you know, because I bet, you know, on Tuesday of weeks 12 in the regular season, Belichick doesn't treat them like they're a bunch of drones, you know, like they're a bunch of, uh, you know, just cogs in the wheel. I'm sure he's very personable with them and plays to their strengths and, you know, well, I think it's to the offseason when that happens, you know. Yeah, but it's when it's time to look at the books and it's time to make moves right now. Hey, Dante Hightower, we like you a lot, but we only like you this much, and this is our offer. If you want to come back and win, win more rings possibly, here's what we'll give you. But we're not giving you any more because we'll figure out a way to win without you. I mean, the Dwayne Allen trade and the Martellus Bennett trade from last year was the same exact – they gave up the same exact stuff. You know, they just they right, put right. certain value on certain players, certain positions, and, again, it works for them. Yeah, a guy coming off, you know, a 27-, 28-year-old tight end that's had success but had bumps is worth a fourth-round pick to us. If you're willing to give us one for that, we'll take him. If you're not, then we'll go somewhere else and draft one. Do you, do you like the Bennett-Green Bay marriage? I kind of do. A lot. I really do. Um, I think he's, you know, I know he's a different cat, and I wonder how he's going to mesh with a old-school organization in basically a small town, you know, with with his outlook on life and his mouth and all those things. Plus, he's a bad guy. Um, but on the field, I love it. I mean, I think he's... Much better than Jared Cook, much more reliable, and Cook played really well for them. And I think that's an offense that absolutely needs a big tight end presence, and they've kind of been searching for it since your Michael Finley. You know, they'll put over three receivers to one side and a tight end to the other a lot, which tells you, I mean, if they can, if you can pull that off, it tells you a lot about coverages, pre-snap, and I think that's a foundational player in their offense. And I feel like they kind of got him on the cheap. You know, that he. he he almost went through wave one of free agency and didn't get scooped up, and then Green Bay said, yeah, let's grab him. I mean, he's a guy we need. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a great message from Ted Thompson saying, see, I can be flexible, and I will grab quality players when I can. I think it was a good fit. It makes your quarterback happy. I liked it a lot. I really did. Now, yeah. last week... Right before Francie started, we talked about Brandon Marshall and the Giants were one of the teams. You mentioned I'm Brandon Marshall. 
You think that's a pretty good fit? I mean, Eli's got a lot of personality at uh, receiver now. I love it. I mean, again, it's always hard for me to comment on personality fits and who's this guy really like. But common perception on Marshall, and you were around him much more than I was, was he's hard to be around early in his life. You know, he's immature and he's you know, loud and causes, not that he was necessarily a bad guy, but he causes problems in the locker room and, you know, you know he's there. And now right. it seems like that he's grown up quite a bit and instead of maybe being undiagnosed for being bipolar or whatever, now he's become a statesman for it, you know, that he's helping others and using his own trials and tribulations to teach the world about it and is very interested in staying in the New York media and has a message to the world, which is a good one. It's not an immature wide receiver message. And I would think that reflects is going to help Odell, you know. I mean, I, I kind of equate to the Steelers that – Le'Veon Bell was here with LeGarrette Blunt, and he's missing drug tests and failing drug tests, so they bring in D'Angelo Williams, you know, who's an advocate for breast cancer awareness and, you know, and, and is a much more mature player with the intentions of, hey, Lev, hang with D'Angelo, don't hang with Blunt, you know, and right. I, maybe Marshall's that guy now in this career. On the field, I love it. I, I still think he's got a lot in the tank, was a massive... Um, detractor obviously with the quarterback situation and is and he's always had been the focus of opposing defenses everyone's going to roll their coverage to marshall he had his entire career and now they're not you know i mean like i can't imagine him going boy i'm going to line up against a number two cornerback for 60 snaps i'll take that right. and i also think you know he's a really good blocker which they needed to and he's a different type receiver of what they had. They need a big guy, a move this chains guy, slants and that you know, slants with some after the catch, go up and get in the red zone. I think he's have a really big year. And I know you you didn't like what you saw from Eli. This gives him this gives him another lifeline, doesn't it? Yes, but it's a good question because I feel like I should have said that last you know long sentence in diatribe that. As long as Eli, Eli doesn't screw it up, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not sure that he's not done. You think he could be done? I know we talked about this, but he's only 35. I know 30, but you know, usually they get done about 37, 38. Yeah, but he's. When's the last time he's missed a game? And you know, no one talks about his durability stretch. And I just thought he was really bad last year. And yeah. Maybe he comes with a much fresher arm and looks better and is, you know, buys more time. I'm just open to the idea that he might be done or is banging on the door with two fifths that he's done. Yeah. But what if they draft Joku or OJ Howard and add him to the mix? Who you know, would you end. bet on being the last of these, of these three players to, to throw their last NFL pass? Eli Rivers or Roethlisberger, you know, the 2004 class. I would bet Eli goes out first. Although I would say Ben's probably taken the most beating of them, although not over the last two years or so. And I think he's the only one that's ever mentioned retirement publicly. Right. But I also think he's the best of the three still, and Eli's clearly the worst of the three. This is maybe the NFL will tell Eli that we don't want you anymore before the other two. Yeah. 
so we can talk more about that in the you know in the May and June portion. But you know, it, it they're an interesting trio for sure. Um, yeah. I want to end the show with some quick hits. You talk a lot about offensive line and and kind of a crisis for teams, and I think a couple offensive line got better, but a few got worse. I mean, Browns and Lions got better on the offensive line, didn't they? I love what the Browns did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like Detroit did too. I mean, we probably talked a couple weeks ago, going, "Boy, Detroit's probably going to lose." Two pretty good starters, you know, or at least one of their two free agent starters. And unlike the Bengals, whose offensive line totally crumbled, in my opinion, to the opposite, the Lions actually got better at both spots. Like, I'd rather have Lang than Warford. I'd rather have Wagner than Riley, you know, than, than Reef. So I didn't see that coming, you know, that Detroit would actually get better on the offensive line. So congrats. I mean, I, I do think that's great. As for the that's Browns, smart movement. That's smart work, right? Not not yeah. that they, they they lost the guys, but they improved. But they improved, right? And as for the Browns, they had tons of cap space and probably could have went and overspent anywhere um, if the players wanted to come to Cleveland. But man, they have an offensive line now, and I kind of look at it like Dallas, or you know, that if you're one of these teams with a top offensive line, and I think their interiors are really good. Joe Thomas is still good that now you got something. I mean, now you can operate your offense, and maybe everyone talking about how Crowell and Duke Johnson aren't good enough, all of a sudden those two will be pretty darn good. I mean, there's talent there. Um, you know, whoever the quarterback is won't get killed play after play, and you can operate your offense. So I really like what Cleveland's doing on offense, and my only criticism with them was I would have kept Terrell Pryor instead of Britt. And if it meant franchising yeah. him, that would have been my move. I just think he's far more talented, far more upside. Jackson and company developed him into a receiver for the Redskins. See, I look at that one as maybe they, maybe they know something. They might, and you're right. There were some rumblings that we don't love this dude as a you know in the locker room, and um, maybe yeah. I mean that that could be very true. Because the rest of it just doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, I think everybody, I mean, on the field, prior to Brit, aren't close to me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What about teams, the Bengals? I mean, they must, I mean, Andy Andy Dalton, God, he, he lost two big pieces of offensive line. I'm very surprised Whitworth left. Um Minnesota, I know they've added a little bit, but they haven't really gotten better. And and the Packers got took a hit on the offensive line. The Packers are at least prepared for it a little bit. You know that they they traded up for Spriggs, who's more of a tackle, but he did play some guard, and their tackles aren't going anywhere. So, you know, they knew going into this year that people were going to come attack our offensive line in free agency, and you know they cut you know sitting knowing that was coming. I still think they'll have a very good offensive line. I think the Bengals is a nightmare, and I think it'll be one of the roots that they go back to being a losing franchise. Minnesota's just desperate, and, and to a certain degree, so is Carolina. I mean, signing Khalil for that much money, or yeah. San Diego signing Russell Okun for that much money. I know. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that's getting, those guys are going to get cut two years from now. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to struggle to stay on the field. This shows how many tackles. You know, it's a great time to be an offensive tackle that can start in the NFL. Right. Um, I don't know what to think about Minnesota. That 
boy, those guys are a heck of a lot better than T.J. Clemmings. And I think everybody agrees Riley Reef is a average to above average. He's a B-level starting offensive tackle. And those guys don't grow on trees, and Vikings certainly need one. But I don't think Remmers was the answer, and you know they're 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 desperate. A little under the radar move this weekend in Denver. I like the two defensive tackles they picked up, Kerr and Petco. Denver's deep run defense did take a, a, a little bit of a, a south turn last year. Do you like you like those pickups? I like the idea. I got to be honest. I don't know a lot about Kerr. I mean, I, I need to do more homework on him. I thought Pecco was kind of a declining player this last year or so, but okay. I'm doing a team needs thing, and one of the underrated needs was D-line and nose tackle specifically. I thought they needed a Terrence Knighton. You know that Sylvester Williams is a decent player, but he's not 350. You know he's not a huge gap-eating plug in the middle, and I don't think they ever really adequately you know replaced Malik Jackson either. Maybe a Poe fits there. I know we talked about maybe some concern about yeah. Poe, but he would certainly take up space in Denver. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why Pecco was brought in. So maybe they think they've already solved the problem. Then they might be more in the defensive end, you know, market. You know, the the, yeah. the Malik Jackson, Jared Crick guy. Right, right. Well, we'll go back to the Bengals just a little bit. I mean, they're... They're on the way down ride, right? I mean, this is not this is not going to turn around. I don't think so, and I think they're they're to blame. You know that they've been yeah. reluctant to spend now for quite a few off seasons, <laughs> and that's going to bite you. You know that the stale with the head coach. It's, I just don't yeah. see much to like. And you know Dalton's a good quarterback, but he's not a superstar. And right. You have some still. I mean, you got AJ Green and you got Geno Atkins, and you know you have some things. But just the way they've handled their offensive line to me is kind of disgraceful. I mean, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I was shocked that Whitworth left. And uh, you know what? I, I thought if he was going to leave, I thought Denver might take a jump on him. That seemed like an LA type move. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was surprised you left the Bengals. I was surprised you went to the Rams. Yeah, I, I think I bet they were too. You know that boy Whitworth loves it here. He's been in a long time. Bengal. Well, maybe he sees the writing on the wall. What's coming too? I mean, he's a smart guy. Right. I also thought you know pre free agency that Zimmer and you know played against him all those practices in Cincinnati. Yeah. Would have loved to have him in Minnesota, and I really would have loved to see him end up in Seattle. That's another team that has not done. You know, Luke Jokel's the only they've had their offensive line. Yeah, and. And there's nobody in the draft, and yeah, I mean, right, right. What are you gonna I do? I don't know where Seattle. Yeah, Seattle's an interesting team. They may have, may have to make some type of move to get better somewhere. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really haven't done anything. You know, they've really just yeah. had on their hands. You know, they could use a corner, and they could use lots of O line help. They'll get some of it in the draft, but it surprises me they've done zero. Here's a team that's done a lot. But I don't know if it if it's much impact. The first day, Forty ers signed like seven guys, and right. you know I saw on Twitter a picture they have all seven guys in the next day, and I'm like, golly, these guys are small. They were just they, they didn't get any offensive alignment or defensive alignment. I, I I don't know if they've gotten have the Forty ers gotten better or they just get bodies and they, you know. I, I, 
It feels like they've there. got bodies that fit what Shanahan wants. Like, you know, they used the fullback more than anyone in the league last year in Atlanta. So they go get Juszczyk, who's maybe the best fullback in the league. But he's still a fullback. <laughs> you know I mean? Right. It, it, and, like, if you look at the Shanahan offenses and even Kubiak with Andre Johnson and Mike Shanahan with Marshall, they always have a true number one receiver. You know, Julio Jones is the best example. Well, they're probably not going to get Andre Johnson or Brandon Marshall or Julio Jones, so they make it Garcon. You know what I mean? Like, he's a number one receiver, light, light. But at least they right. can – I can run my offense with a quality running back and a quarterback in Hoyer who's Matt Ryan, light, light, and a receiver in Garcon who's Julio, light, that I can at least do what I want and start to implement my plan – and these guys will be stock stop gaps until I get my answers, and I haven't gotten them yet. So it's the very beginning of the building process, I think. And you know, you're giving these guys a fair amount of money that you can't look at as being, you know, foundation guys in you know, three years from now. But at least I can, I can implement my plan and run my offense with facsimiles of what we hope will be there a couple years from now. Right. Now, another team that made a lot of moves, and they made, they've been making splashy moves for a couple of years, and they've been cutting some of those guys, but Jacksonville, I, I was a little surprised that the Tom Kaplan Jaguars continue to spend money. You? I thought they would have... <laughs> I like what they've done, but... Because I think that defense is going to be really, really good now and super talented. At and, some point, right? Because, I mean, they got, they're got they so loaded with ability. Yes, and even a guy like Miles Jack, you know, that didn't do anything as a rookie, he may be a dominant player next year. You know I mean? And two great corners and two great interior defensive linemen now, and they're good everywhere. And I'm not being critical. I mean, I like that. I, I mean, if you're going to – that's a Coughlin move. It's, you know, hey, if we are going to spend money, let's have a great defense. But the offense was a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, their offense doesn't look any better than a year ago. And I would imagine the draft will be heavy on offense. But, you know, if, if you told me if you told me two weeks ago, boy, Jacksonville's going to spend X million in the first day or two, their offense should be noticeably better, right? I'd be like, yeah, you would think. And it right. Yeah. But that defense does have a real shot, doesn't it? I do think so, yeah. You know, I think Jalen Ramsey is a star in the making. I think Bouye is a really good corner. I know it's only one year. Their edge pass rush isn't wonderful, but their line, I mean, Puzlesny's holding on. Telvin Smith's a really good player. You meant, you know, Jack, uh, I like the safeties, you know, and Jackson and Campbell. I mean, man. And Campbell is a leader and an old dude. You know, not old, old, but I mean, he's a leader, and I think he brings a lot to the locker room for those guys, too. Right. Do you like the uh, Tony Jefferson pickup in Baltimore? I mean, two pretty good safeties together, Jefferson and Weddle. I think it, yes. Although they had, they had to cut Webb to pull it off, and I think Webb's okay. You know, the Webb can also do some cornerback things. But the Ravens were really, really tough to run on last year. They kept Brandon Williams, and they brought in a big-time run-stuffing safety. So, they're still going to be really hard to run on. I also think that if you remember, um, or the linebacker who was off to Mosley, right. kind of unceremoniously retired, 
And right. I think Jefferson can alleviate that need a little bit as a near the line of scrimmage, sub package linebacker next to Mosley. And I also think he makes them better. And like I mentioned, I like Webb. But if you can make Weddle more the free safety and Jefferson the pure free, you know, free or strong safety, I think you got better in two spots. So I really do like that you know, move for three or four reasons, like I said. Hey, we got a little breaking news. And for full disclosure, we're doing this late afternoon on Tuesday. Patriots signed a guy that you've talked about a lot, Rex Burkhead. Rex Did Burkhead. See, your, your initial thoughts on that? Caring. I really like the player. I thought he was really, really good for Cincinnati late in the year when nobody was paying attention. Great special teamer. I bet Bill Belichick's absolutely in love with him. But the only thing that I thought was, you know, we, we had heard those rumors, and I kind of thought, yeah, you know, all those things, like Belichick was going to love this guy. And one thing I said going into free agency, I was asked about Burkhead, was I don't care who signs him. I mean, all the fans out there are going to say, boy, I really like this guy. I mean, you want this guy on your team. Coaches and fans are going to want him no matter what. But my thoughts in New England were, well, they always have the Vereen and they always have the big guy. And they already have the little guys. You know, that White and Lewis are in, in play already. Burkhead is the receiving back. He's the Vereen that I still think they'll add the, the Eddie Lacy pounder, like we said at the beginning of the podcast. But certainly a Belichick player. <laughs> they have so many varied weapons on offense. Yes. Yes. I mean, that, is, I mean, that offense is noticeably better, better than, than White and, and Lewis. Um, I wonder if they look at Lewis and think, you can't ever stay healthy, we might be moving on from you. You know, because White's a really good receiver, and I think they like him quite a bit, as we saw in the Super Bowl. And Lewis I love, I just don't know if they trust him. That maybe Burkhead becomes the Lewis, and Lewis ends up somewhere else. Yeah. But, yeah, again, they, that's a move that you go, hey, that. That's a Patriot move, right? It is. Yep. And again, like he's a really good special teamer, and he's going to help a lot of ways. Yep. Let's close out the show on. Uh, I think a guy that should be pretty happy right now is Carson Wentz. You like what they did for him? I love Wentz, and I like this. You know, Tory Smith to me doesn't matter much, but I wrote an article about this just recently too. That guess what? Eagle led the led them in snaps last year, a wide receiver. It's Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, Aguilar. You know, that if Torrey Smith can come in and be better than Nelson Aguilar as their third or fourth receiver and just be fast on the perimeter and open up room underneath, fine. He's worth it. But Alshon's the man. I mean, Alshon is a stud, in my opinion, and should stay highly motivated signing a one-year deal. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a monster. And then Jordan Matthews is your two or three, and Ertz is your two or three. You know, like, everybody goes down a peg, and they're properly slotted for what they should be in terms of targets and importance to the offense when you got that stud. So, and now they can go get a cornerback help in the draft. Right. I think they're, they're set pretty well now that their first-round pick, to me, will almost definitely be a corner. Uh, they reinforced their offensive line. They're another team that could use a big back. I mean, I don't know how happy they are with Ryan Matthews. You know, they could use a Blunt or a Murray or, you know, one of those type of guys too. 
Yeah. Could, could they be a fit for even a Peterson? Maybe. They just yeah. lost Benny Logan, though, too. I mean, so while they filled a need, I think a defensive tackle need got created recently. Yeah. That, that, that's a pretty good defense still, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like their safeties a lot. I think corners, obviously, where they need to address. <coughs> you know, another D-tackle, another edge rusher wouldn't hurt. But, yeah, I thought that was a pretty darn good defense last year and should remain that way. So we can see we can see the Eagles be a team that takes a, a jump up. Of course, they were five and zero last year. Didn't really mean anything at the end of the year, but this team could be better next year, couldn't it? I think so. I mean, I think Washington scares me. Giants will probably be a little better, um, depending on Eli. I could see Dallas taking a baby step back, and I could take see Philly taking a you know <laughs> big step forward. I think Wentz is going to be a stud. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, here's a, here's another little news that we can break news here. Uh, looks like Don Terry Poe is going to Miami for okay. a visit, so maybe oh, leaving the Falcons. Okay. Does that make any sense to you? Well, they like big name splash guys. Yeah. Pair him next to Sue. Earl Mitchell left. He's kind of their nose tackle type. Their defensive tackle situation right now is pretty thin. They certainly like to invest in D linemen. It does make sense, and it also goes. You know, my first thought was that when you said he left Atlanta without a contract, was I keep worrying about the medical. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was fine there. That would be. I mean, him and Sue next to each other would be a lot of real estate to get around. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, with Wake and you know, no doubt. Yeah. Well, cool. Hey, Matt, this is a great show. Appreciate it. We will be back next week with lots more to talk about, and maybe those soft markets those agents are complaining about will move in the next seven days. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, take care.